0: Listening to GP Life Hacks with Dr. David Land. So, let's take the scenario I had in clinic. It was a 35-year-old dude, normally well, came in with a red sore eye. Red sore right eye, 35 years old, normally well, no previous eye stuff, and was like, I think this happened when there was a dust storm yesterday and I felt something flick in my eye, okay? Red sore eye unilateral otherwise well yell out your thoughts and especially with that history of i think something flicked in my eye what are your thoughts right off the bat yeah exactly any other differentials if not a foreign body what else could be causing these symptoms that's right those are the two most common scenarios slash the two most likely diagnoses here. <laughs> Any other differentials? If possible, start from most common. There's one other most common one. Uh, and right. then there's a whole bunch of random but ophthalo-emergency ones that are pretty uncommon. So Iritis is one of those rarer ones. Oh, just like infection. That's right. What do you call that? Conjunctivitis. That's right. Okay. So as per this algorithm... With red sore eye, it's literally almost always going to be one of three things. Foreign body, corneal abrasion, which is the fancy Latin word for a scratch on the front part of the eye, you tell the patients, or a conjunctivitis, which is essentially an infection of the front part of the eye, the front most front part of the eye, okay? Yes, there's a whole bunch of other s*** that can cause sore red eye, that's optile emergencies, iritis, uveitis, keratitis, all that s***. That's actually exceedingly rare okay to the point where you almost don't have to worry about it too much as long as you go through the same knee jerk steps to make sure it's not one of those okay so i'll start off by saying this about ophthal it's really difficult at its most complex level but it's actually really simple from you guys point of view and from my point of view as a non-ophthal doctor realistically as a non-ophthal doctor as long as i appreciate the following if the acuity is normal it's probably one of those three, okay? And you can stop worrying even though you're not 100% sure what the diagnosis is, okay? I'll repeat that again. Every month, I <laughs> we'll believe that later, yep, do a visual acuity. If the acuity is normal, you can take a deep breath and relax a bit because it is therefore most likely going to be one of those three, conjunctivitis, corneal foreign body, or corneal abrasion, Okay. If the acuity is compromised, if you check the acuity and it's like six on like 24 when they're usually six on six no glasses previously, with a red sore eye, treat it as an ophthal emergency and call ophthal, okay? Irrespective of whatever else you can or can't do, because it's all well and good to say like, oh yeah, no worries bro, I'll just use the old slip lamp, use the old tonometer. Nobody ever f- knows how to use those things, slash there's never any batteries in it, slash the bulb's always blown, Always happens to you in Port Lincoln where you can't physically just even send them down the road to ophthal because it's a real clinical conundrum for me in Port Lincoln because often I'll be talking to Opthale on the phone. They'll be like, what is the lit lamp show I don't have one, sorry. And then they have to kind of make the call whether to transfer them all the way to Adelaide for an urgent Opthal review because oh, no. they have an iritis or not. And it's all basically down. And I've had like hundreds of discussions about Opthal. It all basically boils down to... Is the acuity changed at all? If it's not changed at all, you can probably relax and just see how it goes over the next couple of days because it's probably one of those three, okay? If the acuity is changed, then you have to assume that it is one of the rare things and they have to go because it's an emergency. So we don't have here in Lincoln? We have fly and fly out, but they're only fly and fly out for business hours. And, you know, there never happened to be... I mean, sure, if you happen to be getting an acute red eye on a day that happens to be visiting Port Lincoln, beauty, he'll squeeze them in, he'll do a slit lamp and he'll tell you what he thinks. But that's very rare. There's like a 1 in 28 chance that it might be one of those days. So, just to recap, every eye complaint, do a visual acuity. If the visual acuity is compromised, send them straight urgently for an optal review. But in terms of whether or not it's a uveitis or a keratitis or endophthalmitis or a glaucoma, it's really clinically difficult as a non-ophthal doctor to establish that. They have the advantage of slit lamps and pressures and all sorts of high fancy retinal scans and like that. So they'll be able to pull that one for you. But for your intents and purposes, it's actually a pretty straightforward algorithm eye complaint comes in, do a visual acuity. If it's compromised, send them off and assume it's any one of those ones, but you won't know which until they get to the other end or the visual acuity is normal and it's either a corneal foreign body, a corneal abrasion or a conjunctivitis, okay? Let's go back to this scenario. So he's got this 35 year old guy in clinic, 24 hours of red sore eye, and asks him, oh, any blurring of your vision? And of course he says, why, of course. And then you're like, Fuck, is this actually an iridus? But actually, most people say, yes, there is a bit of blurring in my vision. I will say the following as well. Subjective blurring of vision means nothing. Unless, objectively, they've also got a decrease in visual acuity. If they're saying, oh, I've got blurred vision, but their acuity is completely unchanged from their baseline, I wouldn't worry about it. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, let's say is on the ball. So, he knows he can't use a slit. Oh, I don't know. Can you? Do you know how no, to confidently no, no, okay. no, no, no. In any case, the bulb's blown in the slit lamp. You don't have a tonometer at Lincoln Medical Centre. So, what sort of examinations can you do right there at the bedside? So, we've talked about dual visual acuity. Yep. Pupils. Yep. Yep. No, 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 no. Yes. To do what? Check the reflex. Yes. That's fair point. Yes. The retinal yes. detachment, like it's not Can you see retinal detachment? Can't you just see, like, well, you see retinal hemorrhage. Yeah, so it's a hard one. I don't know if you've ever seen it or tried to look at the retina to see whether it's hemorrhage. It's really hard, particularly with the bullshit. Oh, -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So fair point, textbook answer, yes, that's correct. But in actual practice, it's really, really hard. So if we were thinking there's a corneal abrasion or a corneal foreign body, what should we do to figure that one out? That's right, that's right. That's right. So, in your very baseline, any eye complaint you get, you as a non ophthal GP can at least do a visual acuity. Yep. And that's probably the most important thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You can check their pupils, okay? Uh, you can check their ocular movements. And you can importantly, the second, probably the second most important thing you can do is shove some fluorescein in there and you know, put it under a blue light and see if anything lights up by your foreign body or uh, corneal abrasion, okay? So let's say does all those things. The visual acuity is completely unchanged. It's still six on six, both eyes unaided. He does pupils, the reflex is fine, okay? He checks the ocular movements and they're all fine. And then he puts some fluorescein in Question for you guys: Do you need to put in topical anesthetic at the same time you're putting in the fluorescein? No, you do it after. Don't do it at all, actually. Don't do it at all unless you're going to see a foreign body and you're going to remove it yourself. That's something weird, that, doesn't it? We? Oh, yeah, I had a a&e and we put it in to stop like because oh. his eye was oh, so I like so much you couldn't open it so we had to put topical anesthetic on top of it such that we could open his eye sure okay that's fair enough i'll pay that generally speaking the rule of thumb is not to use anesthetic unless you have to primarily that would be for i'm going to remove this foreign body now so i have to or in brandon's case that i'll pay that you know you he, he otherwise couldn't properly examine the eye yeah so you can't get diagnosis you can't treat so fair enough put some um uh okay so that's fine you put fluorescein in you choose not to put the anesthetic in and you have a good look and you see a speck of dirt, it's like only probably a millimeter at max in the superior region, so just above the pupil in the superior region of the cornea. Okay, and it's staining green and you can see this, this big black blob sitting on this pool of green. So there you go, you've got your diagnosis there. It's kind of funny, even like the slightest bit of foreign body can cause this big red eye that looks terrible and feels terrible. So we have the diagnosis now. It's a corneal foreign body. What do we want to do with it next? You can try and wash yeah. it out. Good. Okay. So we have irrigation. I'll pay that. You can try irrigation. A lot of them won't come up because annoyingly they get kind of embedded into the cells of the cornea. But that's fair enough. Give that a crack. You can like do the local anaesthetic and try and use the bevel of a small needle. That's right. Just try use it as a spoon almost. Use the bevel of the needle as a spoon. <laughs> uh blue yeah <laughs> so that's a fair point so that would be yes absolutely the first line of measurement in most cases according to a foreign body try to get the bevel the needle and scoop it out would you just do it with your naked eye or would you try use something to help you yeah if you've got some good loops around yeah yeah if you've got some good magnifying glasses loops around welcome to use those even better will be a slit lamp Okay. But the bulb is always blown or nobody knows how to use it. If you, so at Lincoln Medical, he's got this clinical conundrum. He's got this canine foreign body. He's tried to irrigate it out. It's not coming out. He doesn't have a working slit lamp. What can he do next? Save sending them to Adelaide to have this foreign body taken out. Call the optometrist. That's exactly right. Why would the optometrist be an advantage to you? Because they have lots of equipment. What in particular? they have a working slit lamp and they know how to use it absolutely so your options are as follows you can either give it a crack yourself under direct vision but probably you'll get a better result if you can do it with a slit lamp which usually means sending them off to the optometrist because in the very least they have a slit lamp to magnify the picture while they're doing it. The optometrists, both OPSM and AI in Port Lincoln are fantastic. They're very good and very helpful. So if you tell them I've got a corneal foreign body, can you squeeze them in somewhere? They'll see them that day and sort it out for you. Interestingly, I learned because as you recall, this bloke was like, no, nah, I don't want to go to the optometrist. Can't you just give it a crack? And I was like, well, I might accidentally damage your eye because I don't have a slit lamp. And he's like, nah, just give it a crack, classic country. So we gave it a crack <laughs> and I weren't that successful. We sent him off to the optometrist anyway. The optometrist got it out with the slit lamp. Case in point, if you guys ever get that, if it's daylight hours... Once you identify the foreign body in the cornea, I would just ring up and send them off urgently to the optometrist and they'll sort it out, okay? If this comes in at night time, can you just wait till the morning? That's a good question. What's everybody's thought? So say a different scenario, same patient, but you are physically in Port Lincoln Hospital and it's 10 p.m. at night. They're gonna have rent sleep during the night so they'll further scratch it. So I wouldn't want to leave it overnight and tell them to come back. Sure, so what would you then do, give it a crack? Well, I try and irrigate it out, but yep. I it call, call someone more senior. Okay, sure. So, would yeah, that's a fair point. So, would call somebody more senior to basically give it a crack and try get it out. Mm. So Any other I thoughts? I had that situation. Yes. And just got it out. Yep. Gave it a crack. Oh, yep. No. That's right. So it's case by case, and basically you ask the patient what they want to happen. Most country people will say, "Uh, give it a crack." <laughs> so you give it a crack. But you know, even after giving it a crack, kind of like and I, we were unsuccessful after giving it a good good go, okay? So, then it comes back to what you was saying. Is it reasonable, if you've given it a the crack, there's nobody else seeing you, is it reasonable to leave it to the morning to send to the optometrist? What, what is it? Well, not get it you okay? know. So, let's say, let's say, most commonly, it's usually a speck of, it's a tiny millimetre speck of dirt or something like that, or gravel. I'm going to argue uh, it wouldn't be safe to do it but- just really because of the fact if you've got a foreign body remaining in there, more yep. are more likely to do more damage, more likely that it could become infected. Yes, good <laughs> point. So, is correct. The risk is infection, isn't it? Anytime there's a foreign body anywhere, there's a risk of infection. I would counter-argue, I would actually just leave it. I'd give it a crack. Hopefully I'm and I get it out first go. But if I'm David and it up... I would probably feel quite comfortable leaving it till the morning until the optometrist with the slit lamp could give it another crack. Because otherwise what are you going to do? That's exactly. Otherwise what are you going to do? Are you going to med them out to Adelaide? The answer is no. Particularly because coming to the risk of infection, yes you're right, there's always a risk of infection with a foreign body. But by and large a little millimetre thing will have great difficulty burrowing any deeper. That's just how the eye works. It doesn't tends not to go any deeper. Number two, the eye is quite good in that body has mechanisms in place to try and get rid of it themselves. Because if you think about it, it's 2019 now. What about all those people that had you know foreign body eyes in like the 1800s or whatever? When we were like picking berries. Exactly. So the body's natural response to a foreign body is it produces a shit ton more tears to blink it out. Mm-hmm. So chances are it will actually be blinked out by the morning anyway. What you could do to hedge your bets is give them prophylactic antibiotic drops. So give them the Clorsig drop. So in that same scenario, if I gave it a crack, I wasn't successful, I can only, you know, do I send them to Adelaide now? Well, probably not because realistically, RFDS will laugh at me, number one. And number two, if they did come, it'd probably be another 10 hours and be morning anyway. So realistically, if I gave it a crack at 10pm and I wasn't successful, I'm pretty much bound to, I'll have to send it to the optometrist in the morning, but that's okay. Danger wise, it's actually not that dangerous. Number one, because the body will try to get rid of itself and may well do anyway. And number two, you just cover them with claw If it's metal, does it matter? Yeah, but any... Good question. Probably not. Unless it's acid and base burns, are a different story and then I would med-style them out. Yeah but I can't think of a scenario where you'd have like a foreign body releasing acid unless it was like some sophisticated. Yeah. 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 That's true. If you've got a battery stuck in your eye, then you probably get it. <laughs> yeah. Any questions about corneal foreign bodies? No. no. Okay, good. So now you know one third of all common red eye conditions, don't you? Let's go to the second third. Corneal abrasions. They're usually caused by a foreign body that scratched it, but then the eye produced tears and it blinked it out. Interestingly, the presenting complaint is exactly the same. Oh, I felt something flick into my eye, Doc, and I feel like it's still in there, and I've got a sore red eye now. They will always give that same story as if there is a foreign body, but funnily enough, when you give a good look with fluorescein, there's no foreign body there. You will usually see this little divot where there was a foreign body, and there's now a pool of green dye, and that's basically what we call the corneal abrasion interestingly the anterior eye is super sensitive to pain so even if there's a little scratch there and no foreign body it will still feel as painful as if there's a foreign body there okay so the management there is really easy you basically reassure the patient exactly that there is no more thing caught in your eye but your eye has a ton of pain nerves so that's what it feels like but actually There's no more foreign body. Furthermore, you tell the patient, the front of the eye is composed of cells exactly like your skin cells. Therefore, kind of like when you get a scratch on your skin and it just heals by itself and makes a full recovery, so does the corneal abrasion. Got it? Yeah. Any questions about that? The final one is conjunctivitis. We'll talk about that a bit more when we have time. Coming back just quickly to finish off with corneal abrasions. You do not necessarily need to cover with claw unless you're particularly worried. Okay? Saline drops is reasonable just to lubricate. and That's for comfort's sake. But you don't necessarily need to give claw left, right and center every time. Because as we say, it regenerates itself. The cornea is quite, you know. When you do and when you don't. So I was like, oh, no, no I'm like. Fair point. Basically, you do not necessarily need to cover with claw unless you're particularly worried. Well, I never do it. But if you ask most GPS, they'll do it with everyone. So you know, ideally never, unless you're like, oh shit, that was a really dirty foreign like, body. If it's like vegetable yeah. matter or something. Yeah, like I guess matter. so. Hypothetically, and even then, it's probably case by case. There's not a real answer other than other than Sorry. blanket rule. You know, don't use claw yeah. yeah. Okay. Any other quick questions about that? Otherwise, we'll leave it there for today. Does that make things a bit clearer on the eye? Yeah. Okay. Good. It burns, it burns. You've been listening to GP Life Hacks with Dr. David Lamb. Music by Nathan Hui. Happy to say she still is mine.